The slope of the curve of change in jobs and skills when measured against time has never been so steep. And as a result, we can't wait for white papers and conferences to educate the people of this country. Can storytelling inform the general public about economic and social trends? The ongoing transformation of work has simultaneously sparked concern in multiple constituencies and spawned a welter of competing and often contradictory narratives about its causes and implications. How can objective data and constructive ideas reach students, employers, and employees? Welcome to the Managing the Future of Work podcast. I'm Harvard Business School professor and visiting fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, Joe Fuller. Today I'm speaking with Art Bilger. He's been a success in industries ranging from investment banking to high tech to media. Art was alarmed by the inadequacy of the response he observed to the threat posed to American workers by forces like automation. His answer was Working Nation, a nonprofit media production company he founded in 2016. His idea is to tell the stories of groups and individuals whose experiences and programs have the potential to bring about better outcomes for workers of all stripes. With reporting, documentaries, events, and their own podcast, Working Nation is aiming to inform the many debates raging over the future of work. Art, welcome to Harvard Business School. Thank you for having me. Well, we're delighted you're here. Art, you've been an executive in the tech space, before that in the media space, before that in investment banking. You've seen work over the years and as it's changed. What are the things that inspired you to start Working Nation? In 98, entering the tech space really opened my eyes to how fast technology was changing the world in which we live Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. And one of the things was work, how jobs are changing. Another key was one of the key investment areas that I have pursued since 2002 has been in the area of education technology. Mm -hmm. So the focus on education not just K through 12, but at all levels, has also been part of what caused me this to come together in my head uh, about how fast the world was changing and what can we do to educate the world uh, as to the changes and the needs they will have going forward. How that inspire the your vision you had for Working Nation? Because it's got a very unusual what I'll call theory of change in the market, relying on all sorts of media assets to, to influence people's thinking and inform people? Well, as you mentioned, I did spend time in the uh, uh, media world, initially as an investment banker, and I became investment banker for Turner Broadcasting and was deeply involved with the company. That led to other media things, our private equity fund created the largest Fox affiliate group in the United States. So going to your, back to your question, the fact that we have built this not-for-profit media enterprise to educate the people of this country as to what I, I believe is the most significant issue uh, we face, it's not that crazy. I've started out with Ted Turner. I worked with Rupert Murdoch. What is that going to bring to the various constituents you're trying to reach that they didn't already have access to? In uh, October of 13, I attended a Deutsche Bank dinner, and I laid out the beginnings of this idea of a potential significant structural unemployment. Giant fund managers and top corporate executives basically were saying, I can't believe I've never thought about this. And I said, wow, if the big fund managers and uh, top executives in New York aren't thinking about this, 
than the average American isn't thinking about it. No wonder we're not getting enough done. In subsequent opportunities where I was speaking to important audiences, I would lay it out and I'd get the same reaction. The answer was, then I fell back on what I knew so well, and that is, how can you educate millions of people across this country? And the media world is clearly one, one of the mechanisms. So talk a little bit about the type of material Work Nation's creating, and who are the specific audiences you're trying to address here? Well, first of all, there are three audiences that we're uh, pursuing. First audience are the equivalent of those same guys who chased me around the Deutsche Bank dinner. Because if they understood, they could walk into the head of HR and say, do you see what XYZ company is doing in reskilling of its workers? Why aren't we doing something like that? Worst case, they could write a check to a solution. Second audience are those who are working on solutions. That Working Nation will focus on solutions at the local level, what corporations are doing, what not-for-profits are doing, what academic entities are doing, and what local government are doing, and in some cases, doing them together. Because they could actually learn from each other. And we've already f seen in examples or where we've told the story of something that was going on in one part of the country, and someone in another part of the country who knew nothing about it reaches out to us and say, hey, we could really use that solution in uh, our part of the Can country. Can you share an example or two? Because one thing you see constantly in this space is that you do have really good ideas locally, but they just don't replicate in scale. Two examples. Uh, one is there's an organization called PHI National which is in the Bronx in New York. Uh, it uh, trains home health care workers. Mm -hmm. You're talking about one of the fastest growing job areas in this country. It's a very valuable program. While later I was keynoting the uh, Kaiser Permanente Workforce Development Conference, the health care union in Philadelphia was there. They engaged with me, asked me to come to Philadelphia sometime. They wanted to talk to me about what they're doing. At one point, I just mentioned the PHI piece, and they said, Art, you're not wasting your time. We knew nothing about PHI. We are now thinking seriously about developing a PHI-type program. Same type of thing happened with an organization uh, called Year Up, where your average billionaire in the Midwest happened to see the piece, reached out to me through a common friend, said, we could really use Year Up can you connect the head of my foundation to the Year Up people? Gerald Shertavian, who's been a guest on this podcast. And I said, yeah, I probably could do that. So those are two examples mm -hmm. of where exactly that has happened. The third audience yep. is just mom and pop and young people across this country. And there, the slope of the curve of change in jobs and skills when measured against time has never been so steep. And... As a result, we can't wait for white papers and conferences to educate the people of this country, in my judgment. And so living in today's digital world, we have the ability to educate them. And today, Working Nation has millions of views uh, on the stuff that we're putting up there. Let's focus on the, that constituency of parents or other adults who are trying to provide advice to, to aspiring workers. What sort of messages are you packaging for them and how are you reaching them? Because, of course, we're all consumers of media and we've seen the very significant proliferation of channels and different types of devices people are accessing media through. 
Well, first of all, we have four different strategies. The first one is video storytelling. The power of a video story actually works across all three of those audiences. It's not just mm-hmm. mom and pop and young people across the country. And we tell the story through the people who have gone through these various programs. So our goal is identifying where the jobs of the future will be and then what are solutions you can associate with and then follow. And, you know, the, the example I just gave you on PHI National, you know, home health care workers, you're talking about one of the fastest growing job areas in this country. And uh, we can't fill the jobs at the pace, pace that we need. You know, at the other end of the spectrum is the whole area of data analytics jobs in the next 10, 15 years. There won't be an aspect of business, government, or the not-for-profit world that isn't driven by data analytics. And we have a vacuum in terms of people with the necessary uh, experience in those areas. We're really working across full spectrum of the audience out there. And the video storytelling in today's digital world, if we weren't living in a digital world, I'm not sure I'd be doing this. Mm. Uh, but here in today's digital world, we put up, you know, pieces of content across all kinds of different platforms. Right now, the bulk of our uh, viewing uh, comes via YouTube. And our typical piece is close to four minutes long. Now when we're putting it up, within the first week, we get a few hundred thousand views. And in a four-minute piece, the, the average viewing is about three and a quarter minutes, which is pretty big number yes. in the digital yep. world. As I said, storytelling, that works for all three of those audiences that I described before. You know, We all watch movies, television, no matter who we are. How do you decide what to produce? Where do you generate your ideas for the content, whether it's for a video or some other medium? Well, we have researchers, and they know generally what we're looking for. Uh, we have a terrific content team, uh, real experienced producers and journalists. And we want to cover a broad spectrum. And so it's usually up to them on how they put it in. They've done a terrific job. Now, there are certain themes that we very much, from day one, we wanted to focus on. Uh, healthcare. You know, you're talking about the biggest industry in this country, probably. And lots of changing in the jobs, but lots of opportunity in jobs out there. At the far end of advanced science to back to, you know, the home health care uh, worker. The world of the not-for-profit employment opportunity. Mm-hmm. People don't think about that. But you're talking about one of the biggest, probably the second biggest industry in this country. Data analytics, as I mentioned before. And that's not just for the best educated people across this country. We did a town hall event where the first panel were experts from different industries talking about data analytics and the jobs and the need to fill them. And then second panel were educators. And we had the uh, fellow who uh, runs data analytics at the uh, Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. We also had the president of a community college system. We had a woman out of the Philadelphia high school system. Uh, we had a fellow who created a company called General Assembly that you know works with 
teaches employees. people how to code. And, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're also sponsoring some convenings. So we began doing these town hall events, and we've done seven of them now in different cities on different workforce-related uh, issues. And we film all of them for purpose of future broadcast. One very successful one we did in uh, November of 17, done at the uh, Bush Institute down in Dallas, and that was on veterans' workforce-related issues. Ended up getting turned into two episodes of a TV series called Hiring America, which I believe is broadcast across all military channels as well as a lot of other channels. We've done, uh, as I mentioned, we did the data analytics one in Philadelphia. That one's with the uh, Wharton School. Most recent one was very interesting. We brought together top religious leaders to talk about a wide range of religions to talk about these issues as they see them in their communities and to highlight and talk about the linkage between employment and purpose in life. That's been a major theme of mine for uh, a good while. Um, so those are the town hall events. Third strategy is journalism. So we have journalists that literally you know, write for us and also do a lot of commentary on other stuff uh, out there. And then finally, the third, fourth strategy is a podcast strategy. Well, we welcome more learned voices in this space. So we'll look forward to listening to that. And, and uh, you uh, joining our ranks, just don't cut into our listenership too much, <laughs> if you don't mind. You've also developed ties to journalists, particularly, I believe, in the newspaper industry, beyond those that you're working with directly within Working Nation through the Pointer Institute. Could you talk a little bit about that and what you're trying to accomplish? Pointer Institute is a not-for-profit institute in Florida that works with and trains journalists. They came to us, this was probably June of 2018, and basically said that their feeling is, with a few exceptions out there, the journalists of this country don't understand these issues that we're focused on. And could we put together a curriculum to educate journalists? And uh, we said, yeah, we could do that. And we ended up doing that. And then they held a two-day event in September of 18, late September, uh, where they brought journalists from around the country together from some of the biggest name, you know, networks and all, as well as, you know, smaller journalism operations. And it was really like classroom sessions where our people and some outsiders that we brought in would, you know, teach classes all about this. I've already started some conversations. How do we take that and maybe consolidate it down to a single day and provide it to other audiences? Mm -hmm. And I've started actually talking to universities for example, that have journalism schools or, you know, how about we do it for uh, this type of thing for your students? At one school that I spoke with, they said, Art, why wouldn't we just do it for those students? Why wouldn't we do it for all undergrads at the university? They're all at a point in time in their life that they ought to be thinking about these things. That is on the future uh, roadmap. Let's talk about the substance of that. Is it about how the workplace is it evolving? Is it about the demographics of the labor force today? Is it about income distribution and skills distribution? Or is it the, everything I've just mentioned and more? Probably everything you mentioned and more. Three motivations here that have really driven me and working nations since the beginning. The slope of the curve, as I mentioned, has never been so steep. 
in terms of change in jobs and skills when measured against time. It's actually the title of the first piece we put up when we officially launched in September 2016, and initially it was on CNN's uh, you know, uh, platform. People don't understand how fast this is changing uh, out there. Um, so that's a key motivation. Second motivation is this time it's about the heart of America. And that's a piece that people don't understand out there. If this was just about the bottom 20 percent, I'm not sure working nation would be necessary. There are plenty of stories, TV, you know, documentaries mm-hmm. about the bottom 20 percent. Now, it is about the bottom 20 percent, of course, but it's also about the bottom 20 percent becoming the bottom 30, the bottom 40 percent, the bottom 50 percent. And the two examples I've used for, you know, since I started thinking about this was one, the driverless vehicle. You're talking about one of the most significant jobs in this country in terms of absolute numbers, and those are middle-class jobs. And I don't know if it's five years or 10 years or 15 or 20 years, but those jobs are going to be disappearing. The other example, and I've made a number of references to it already, but another example is uh, how a marketing department of 10 will become a marketing department of two because of data and analytics. And those eight jobs disappearing are terrific white-collar, middle-class and upper-middle-class mm-hmm. jobs. The third motivation is never before have we had to re-educate and reskill people outside of their academic years, in the normal academic years, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And that is a phenomenon that's going to take place. I just don't believe too many of us are coming out of school whatever, whenever we finish and then going into a job and 35 years later leaving that job and you know, off to retirement. There are going to be many more changes over the course of time and the re-education, re-skilling along the way. What's the nature of your engagement with employers? We've talked to a lot of people about trying to get employers to rethink how they hire, the economics of training, of upskilling. Are you actively cultivating relationships with them and creating media targeted toward them? Or are you relying more on the kind of osmosis of of this material, reaching them through different channels and different constituencies? We are searching for those employers who are doing innovative things. To tell their story. To tell their story. That's one of the fundamental uh, pillars that we're building Working Nation upon. We do the same thing with not-for-profits, same thing with academic entities, same thing with local government. But employers, I believe, really should be the leader in this. One, they've got the greatest visibility. They just have to look within their own four walls. Two, they've got the greatest need because if they want to be still in business five years from now, they better be better understand how the changes are going to take place. Three, they also have the greatest resources to throw at it. Not just uh, you know financial resources, but human resources. You know, one of the areas that we talk about since the beginning, the whole idea of apprenticeship programs. Now, many could, but a lot of them aren't thinking about it. And so that's why we, you know, we tell the story uh, uh, of that. So anyway, corporations is a, a big focus uh, of uh, working nations. Now, you've run businesses, you've invested in businesses, you've bought and sold businesses. In each of those instances, you would have been keeping score. 
you would have had metrics of how we're measuring the success of this thing, what am I looking for as key indicators. How are you keeping score in what you're doing at Working Nation? There's plenty of data, viewership, and then also in talking with those where we've told the story, getting information from them on the reaction that has happened. So, Art, you've got several initiatives. You're going to launch a, a podcast. You've been um, holding these convenings, trying to educate journalists. Where, where do you see this going over the next five to ten years? If you, if you fast forward a little bit, what would you like to see a working nation stand for doing? What kind of activities would you aspire to be doing to influence this debate and bring about change in the country? I am hoping that Working Nation isn't the only party talking about all this. And so part of the goal here is for us to really get other parties out there who, are spe- who understand these issues and speak about. Now you see, you know, headlines about AI and stuff like that, but you hear very little discussed about solutions. You hear about AI and, you know, okay, everyone's going to lose their jobs, but very little on the solution side. We're one of the few. And so that's why we are delighted when the Pointer Institute comes to us and says, can you help there? That's why we're delighted. We're starting to get some major, you know, media-type parties coming to us with wanting to partner with us uh, on things. We're being invited to keynote conferences throughout the United States at this point on a very regular basis. So a primary goal here is is that working nation isn't the only one talking about this. Our, our various visitors here have described the problems that working nation is addressing as the biggest threat to U.S. competitiveness that we're confronting. They've described it as the biggest social justice issue in the country. How do you see it? I really see this issue as being the most significant issue facing our nation, and it is going to impact everyone if we don't deal with this uh, properly. Uh, Even that well-educated individual who can be on a lifelong learning path, whether it's more degrees or other forms of education, uh, what's it like to be uh, employed? in a world that has 25, 30, 35, 40 percent unemployment. Now, I believe it's also the most significant issue facing our nation because it's not just the direct economic impact on the population, but it's also the spin-off moments that take place as a result. And an area that I've been very focused on is the spike up in recent years in the anti-movements. What do you mean by that? Uh, Turn on the news. (laughs) The anti-immigration, anti-black, anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim, and I'm sure there are plenty of other antis. Yes, there are bad people out on the edges. No question about that. But I believe what you're seeing is there are millions of people who aren't out on the edges but are in pain. And their attitudes are being, you know, influenced. Uh, and scapegoats is, uh, is an example of what, uh, what frequently happens. Art, one of the leading antis that you've seen recently is the emergence of a 
anti-media bias, that if it's in the popular media, it's wrong, it's being delivered by biased journalists in a biased way, that people can purportedly kind of pick their medium to find confirming data of their, what they already believe. How is Working Nation trying to avoid that trap? We're an independent party, and one of the principles from day one uh, when we started this up is I wanted this to be as apolitical as possible. I was actually asked early on to advise presidential candidates running in 2016, and I turned all those down. Two reasons. One, as I said, I want Working Nation to be as apolitical as possible. Two, as I mentioned earlier, the solutions are local. So you've been concerned about this area for the better part of a decade, invested in founding Working Nation. How are you feeling about things? Are we gaining on it? Or do you, are you optimistic about the arc of events in terms of preparing people for the future? Are you guarded or are you concerned that we're losing ground on a fast-moving target? I'm optimistic, and it even motivates me even more right now. Unfortunately, the news cycle in this country has <laughs> become dominated by other issues. Other issues. And if it wasn't, I really think there would be more discussion. And I must say, when I started this up, I didn't think that we'd be on this news cycle that we were on on such a, you know, on a 24-hour-a-day basis. So I am a little more concerned than uh, I might have been. We've got to get people talking about this. Well, Art, thanks for joining us here on the Managing the Future of Work podcast and sharing the very interesting story of the growth of Work Nation, which is one of the more innovative uh, vehicles for influencing the debate on these issues in the U.S. Thank you for having me. From Harvard Business School, I'm Professor Joe Fuller. Thanks for joining us for the Managing the Future of Work podcast. We hope you enjoy the Managing the Future of Work podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find out more about the Managing the Future of Work project at our website, hbs.edu forward slash managing the future of work. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter.